Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from rimfiretactical.com, and I'm glad you're here. What's up, everybody? It's another episode, a long time in the making. Uh, Every time I've sat down, or uh, not even sat down, but thought about getting um, another episode out, it seems like something's come up that just has kept me from getting the job done. So my apologies once again. Thank you to those of you that have reached out, wanting to make sure everything was okay and make sure I was, wasn't was sick with the Rona or something like that. Um, I do really do appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot, actually, more than you, uh, you could possibly imagine. But um, before we get into uh, this episode too far, I want to... Um, dive in a little bit, you know, we're, we're 75. Well, actually this is episode 76. So getting closer to that hundred mark on episodes. And, um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you that listen and, uh, those that give me feedback, you know, obviously, uh, we love to shoot, we love to shoot matches. And so, uh, those of us that compete, you know, we all want to have fun, but we also want to win. And so, Winners give five-star reviews. I'm grateful for all the reviews we have. Uh, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't done that in the past, give us a five-star review. Uh, let us know, you know what you think of the episodes. If, if it's not a five-star show, hey, let me know. I need to know that too so we can work on making it better. But uh, uh, biggest thing I wanted to talk about is in previous episodes, you've heard me talk probably more than you even cared to ever hear about that we were going to do a few different things um, outside of the Facebook group and the podcast. And speaking of the Facebook group, if you're a listener of the Rimfire Tactical podcast, but you've never bothered to become a member of the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group, first and foremost, what's up with that? Why are you not doing it? Why why aren't you heading over there? Um, And if you're not a Facebook guy or gal, I get it. Um, I totally understand. There's days where I don't think I am either. But uh, what I can tell you is that we do have um, a uh, a website. It's rimfiretactical.com. And for quite some time now, I've been talking about getting a forum built. You know, something that would be similar, I guess you could say, to maybe a Rimfire Central or possibly uh, more, probably a blend uh, of Rimfire Central and sniper side it's probably the best way to describe it and um, that's that's not been without its challenges um, a lot of it comes from the fact that frankly I don't know what I'm doing in that space and um, I'd reached out to a, a fella that's built a couple of different gun forums and he's active on those those forums at times and he's a uh, an active shooter good guy um, but you know it's not his full-time job it's something he was doing to help me and uh, he recently reached out and just said, Hey, you know, I, I, I hate that things aren't farther along. Um, you know, I've had some changes with my job and, and he's really, really good at what he does. And he has said, you know, I don't think this is something I'm going to be able to complete for you. So I'm actually looking right now for, um, a company to, to help me get the Rimfire Tactical Forum, uh, live. And the main reason I want to get that forum up and running is because, we routinely see Facebook decide to do away with gun groups. 
And, you know, most of the time they cite some sort of a, a violation. And whether it's something like somebody trying to sell something, which let's face it, we all have gear that we probably don't want or need anymore. And we all most likely have gear we'd like to buy. So, you know, it's it, anytime you have a group of people who come together, whether we're talking about guns or cars or anything else, there's always going to be those folks who want to buy something. There's also going to be those people who want to sell something. But Facebook's really strict about that. And so they don't like our chosen hobby. Uh, they don't like guns. And so they're very specific about if you try to sell something, you know, that's a problem. So I know a lot of people who have Facebook groups just like ours. They try really hard to monitor it, but sometimes posts get through. And the next thing you know, a group with six or eight or 10,000 members or more is gone. And so for that reason, uh, that, that's the entire reason, actually, why I've, I have talked about and wanted to get a forum built would be for us to have a backup option, if you will. You know, a lot of times I see on these Facebook groups, I'll see people talk about how they're encouraging someone to go and join another group on another social media platform. And there's a bunch of them, you know, I mean, obviously the ones that we hear and talk about the most, it's Facebook, it's, it's Instagram, it's Twitter. Um, TikTok, I guess, is one that's becoming pretty popular with the kids. Um, can't say I know a lot about it, but at some point I'll check it out. But what you have to realize is in each of those scenarios, like the, the ones that come to mind that I've heard people talk about, they've talked about maybe going to Parlor or MeWe or who knows, there's, there's, there's probably 50 that are out there that I've never even heard of. And good chance is you probably haven't heard of them either. And there'll be more that will come along. But at the end of the day, they're all ran by software companies. Even the new one that Trump has, um, you know, it's supposed to be more about conservatives. It's supposed to be more about free speech. But at the end of the day, it's a software scenario. And at some point, the people in the software industry, just like lots of other industries, they tend to, to, to lean and go to the left. And so there's a good chance that somebody could choose for whatever reason to push one button and delete a group from that social media platform as well. So that's why I want the Rimfire Tactical Forum to be a thing um, so that we're not having to rely on some, you know, some fact checker somewhere, somebody who has their own political agenda to decide that they need to get rid of our group. That's why I'm pushing so hard for that forum to become a reality. And yes, there will be lots of other things that will be a part of that forum. You know, we're going to invite in industry experts to have, you know, or basically to give our members of the forum direct access. And this is something that's not going to be unique to us. I mean, there, there's lots of uh, people from the industry that are active on other forums and it's everything from, you know, Mike Bush over at Voodoo Gunworks to the folks from Kestrel. There's lots of different people that are active, but a lot of those conversations take place, um, you know, outside of Facebook. And so that's where I feel like there's going to be a real benefit to us having that forum. But in the meantime, until we get there, 
The other thing that we've done, and this is something I've also talked about in some previous episodes, is we created a a line of merchandise of products. Uh, it's hats and shirts. It's it's uh, you know some items that we'd had people ask us about doing. And specifically, the reason people said they wanted it was because they really enjoy being a part of the Facebook group. And so they felt like it would be cool to have a way to represent the Facebook group when they're out shooting uh, in different matches or competitions, things like that. So if you go to rimfiretactical.com, you'll see where we have finally launched that store. It's um, got everything from, like I said, hats and shirts. Um, We'll have new designs coming up, uh, but the way that we did this, we we obviously had to spend some money up front to get it all done and to get these shirts and hats uh, embroidered and printed and ready to go. So if you go over to the website and you place an order, just know your shirt or hat or combination of shirt and hat, that's going to ship within just a couple of days and it's coming directly to you. It's not something that's getting printed when you order it and you're having to wait two weeks for that. So it's going to be a neat opportunity for all of us to be able to rep the Rimfire Tactical brand, rep the Rimfire Tactical logo, and and really build a community that's focused around what we enjoy doing, which is shooting Rimfire rifles and Rimfire handguns. So if you haven't checked it out, go on over, check it out. You can... Uh, subscribe to the newsletter where you'll get information about upcoming events that are happening, but also you'll get notified anytime we drop new apparel. Uh, we're going to be adding some some uh, stickers, some challenge coins. We're going to add a lot of things um, along the way. So check it out, rimfiretactical.com. Now, unless you've been under a rock and hiding for the last several months, especially if you're in the United States, you've probably seen a pretty drastic price increase, not only in, um, well, guns and, and ammunition and optics. I mean, let's face it, all that's been going up since the election, uh, actually before the election, but you've probably seen a uh, decent uh, increase in gas prices as well. And what we're seeing, and there's been a lot of discussion recently about is the number of people who are not competing right now in matches. They're not even going to the matches specifically because the cost to shoot has went up exponentially when you factor in your travel expenses. So I want to talk to you about some ways that you can keep in practice and keep that edge when you're not able to travel to matches as much. And the reason I talk about this is because there's a lot of people I'm sure that are just like me. When I go to compete in a match, do I want to win? Of course I do. Do I think that I'm going to win? Eh, sometimes I feel like I've got a decent chance. But when I go to uh, a lot of the, the NRL 22 or PRS matches, uh, I can look at the field and see who is uh, signed up to shoot that match. And have a pretty good idea where I'm going to finish before I even get to the range. Uh, there's a ton of great shooters in the area where I live. And with family commitments and um, just work commitments, I can't necessarily take the time. And I guess I could 
but I choose not to take the time to travel to a lot of uh, matches that are, are farther away. So pretty much if I can wake up on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning and drive to a match, I'm all in on it. But when I say drive to a match, I'm limiting it to about a couple of hour drive. Um, could I get up and, and drive three, four, five hours and shoot a match that is happening on a Saturday morning and, and the match is going to start at 8.30 or 9 o'clock? Yes, I could do that. I choose not to do that. I'm committed um, to an extent, <laughs> uh, I, I guess is the right way to say it. Call me a fair weather fan if you want. But the thing is, a lot of us are in a position where there's some local matches we can shoot, but we're kind of limited because, you know, where you live, there may not be that many. But specifically, uh, if you are, if you're like me and you want to compete and you want to get better, but sometimes it's just problematic or difficult to be able to get up uh, or go out to the range. And maybe you don't have all of the targets or enough targets to set up to replicate a range day or, or a match day. Um, maybe you don't have a lot of these things already. It can be a real challenge. So, um, and then, and the biggest thing is, and sorry guys, I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place today, but the biggest thing for me is when I do get the chance to shoot a match, I hate showing up and being really, really rusty. And, and what I'm talking about is just, it's, it's been a while since I've shot, so maybe my trigger press isn't as clean as it should be. Um, it's been a while since I've practiced getting in and out of positions, so maybe I'm a little bit slow, a little bit rusty. I'm, I'm having a real hard time getting steady. Um, I have come up with a few different things myself. I've also taken a lot of advice from, from people in the group and other shooters on some different ways to stay in shape. I guess is the right way to say it, you know, to stay in practice while at the same time, um, you know, taking advantage of what you have. I'll give you a great example. I saw a post the other day from someone who said, Hey, I'm really limited where I live. I only have a 50 yard range available to me. So it's really difficult for me to be able to practice shooting at two, three hundred yards or whatever the, the, the farther distances are. How can I get better at that? You know, it's a great question, and it's actually something that uh, I've worked with a lot through the years, not because I didn't have access to different ranges that could go out to two or 300 yards, and, and even if I drive to some property that I've got some friends and family own, uh, they've got some farmland where I can shoot out to four or five, 600 yards and farther, but just because I have access to it doesn't mean that I can necessarily use it. Some of those fields are uh, their hay fields so when the hay is cut that's great but as the hay starts to grow you know can't get out there in the middle of them and set up targets other times um, can't go to those areas and shoot because they have cattle that are in those fields um, you know there's lots of different things that limit me to shooting 50 yards maybe 100 yards and under so some of the things that i've done as a way to replicate the uh, um, match conditions and and really ways that I've I've come up with or like I said taken from other people who I've I've seen talk about the same topic is I've actually printed off targets before and 
I don't know what you do for a living or, or um, if you have access to lots of different sizes and types of boxes, but uh, I've reached out to, to friends that own businesses and I've picked up all types of boxes, everything from a, a 12 inch square box up to boxes that are um, actually one of the targets that I use a lot. It's, it's a shipping box for a Springfield M1A. Uh, local gun shop. I happened to be there one day when a guy had ordered an M1A uh, national match. It's a beautiful rifle, but uh, it shipped in a, uh, and I guess maybe it was a, a used gun, but it, was sh it shipped in a large um, uh, gun case, but that was inside of a large uh, cardboard box. And they just threw it off to the side. And I was like, hey, what are you going to do with that? And they're like, well, we're just going to get rid of it. And I was like, man, if you don't mind, can I have it? And so what I will do sometimes is I'll go to either the local range or even if I go to um, one of my friends or, or family's farms, I'll set up boxes at different distances. And, you know, I'm, these aren't just boxes. I mean, I'm, I'm typically printing off targets that I'm going to staple to them. Or sometimes it may be that I'm just using like the little uh, shoot and see, the little uh, targets that you're just sticking onto them. But what I've done is I'll set those targets up at lots of different distances. And then once I've got them set up, I try to, um, sometimes I can set up multiple um, barricades and different things to shoot off of at the same time. Other times I'll have to use one piece of equipment and come up with different, different scenarios. Maybe it's a portable sawhorse. Maybe it's a ladder. Um, I don't have uh, any tractor tires or tires that I can, can shoot off of. Uh, maybe at some point, you know, I'll, I'll pick one up somewhere at a tire shop or something like that, but I don't have access to that. But you know, when you, when you look at the NRL 22, stages that are published every single month they tell you ahead of time hey here's the obstacles that you're going to be using and so you know the best thing you can do to get ready for that is to to find a way to replicate those targets and practice and if you can't practice at the range you can always dry fire at home a little covid coffee there but if you can find a way to put those targets out at the various distances and then whether it's a five gallon bucket, maybe it's a um, 55 gallon drum. And maybe if you're like me and you don't have a way to haul around a 55 gallon drum, you can always figure out the height of the drum and then figure out a similar solution. May not be exactly the, the perfect scenario. And I know I've shot matches where the 55 gallon drum was standing up and others where it was laying down. I've shot most of those matches the 55 gallon drum was empty, so it wobbles quite a bit. But I also shot in a match where they decided that the right thing to do would be to take that 55 gallon drum, fill it about halfway full of water, and then put it on a floating platform that's supposed to replicate a boat. So not only do you have the platform moving, but as soon as you lean into it, which was allowed, you could lean into that, that 55 gallon drum that's sitting on that platform, so you could push it up to the, you could push the, the, the floating platform against the base to take the movement out. 
But as soon as you do that, you disrupt the water in the barrel. And so the next thing you know, um, it, everything's moving because you have that water sloshing around inside the barrel. So, you know, mass directors sometimes come up with some of the goofiest things. And, um, you know, kudos to the mass directors for taking time to set up these things and to run matches for people like us that want to just come out and shoot. But I think sometimes they're just sadistic you know, jerks that come up with every way possible to make the shooters as miserable as they possibly can. So, and if you're a match director that, that runs a match in my local area, I'm not talking about you. I promise. <laughs> so with all that being said, um, you know, if you can find a way just inexpensive ways, I mean, I, we, a lot of us spend a lot of money on these guns, the scopes, the ammo, the bipods, bags, you know, we spend, we invest a lot of money into this sport, but sometimes, you know, you can come up with these solutions and avoid spending some additional money. I mean, it's not hard to spend several hundred dollars buying steel targets and everything. You can do it easily, but at the same time, it, it can cost you nothing to pick up some boxes or even use boxes when you're buying something from Amazon or you know, Midway or Brownells or whatever you happen to be. And even if you go into your local gun shop, nearly every shop in my area, they all just throw away the cardboard boxes when things get shipped in there, whether it's guns, whether it's, it's uh, ammo, scopes, whatever. Most of them just throw those cardboard boxes away. And I promise you, if you take those cardboard boxes out, the great thing is because it's a box, you don't need a stand. You don't need something to, um, to, you know, keep it from flopping over like you would with, you know, just for example, even the little, the little yard signs that are a common target backer that you can buy. Those things blow in the wind like crazy. And in the area I live in, we have some wind, but we don't have anything compared to what you guys in the Midwest and West coast have. So, you know, those things moving around all over the place, it makes it difficult to, uh, to know if your group is as bad as it looks on paper or if it would have been much better, except for that, that target stand was moving back and forth, you know, sometimes two or three inches in either direction. So, you know, that's just a couple things that, um, that I do, whether it's, it's dry firing at home and listen, there's great dry fire tools. Um, I've talked about it before in previous episodes. There's a, uh, a training system called the DFAT and, uh, it's D F A T. And if I were better prepared, I could tell you what that stands for, but I don't remember uh, off the top of my head, but ultimately, um, it's basically an attachment that you put onto your scope. And then it comes with targets that you can tape up to something like your, uh, well, actually you could tape it up to something as simple as, uh, a wall in your room, in, in any room in your house, or like a garage door or something like that. And what the targets are is it's basically a picture of a hillside or a canyon or anything like that with targets at, at you know various places. And they're all scaled down to replicate that target being at a certain distance. Like one target might show at 426 yards where another one might show at 720 yards, you know, you get the idea. Now, obviously this is what, this is something that's designed for both. Uh, it can be used, uh, in terms of, 
centerfire, it's really designed more so for centerfire than rimfire, but they have some, some options. There's lots of different things that you can do to dry fire at home and, and not spend money. But like I said, you can also spend just a few dollars on some target stickers, uh, targets themselves, staple them to cardboard boxes, set those boxes up at various distances, and then take the, the step ladder you've got at home, take the, the sawhorse, the workhorse, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, heck, do what I've done before. Um, my range has this thing where they like to do, um, especially the, the range where we shoot the, the Rimfire PRS matches, they have a ladder that they essentially, uh, or they, they, they've made something that looks like a ladder, but they lay it over at a 45 degree angle. Well, I don't have a, something like that anywhere that I shoot, but when I'm at uh, family's farms, there, a lot of times there's a brace between two fence posts that's set up that way. And so I've actually several times now, um, I've got along the fence line and we'll, use, and we'll set the targets up at different distances away from that fence line. And I'll shoot with a bag on that brace post that goes in between um, two posts from top to bottom. And, you know, that's typically going to be at a, a, some, some sort of an angle. It may not be a 45 degree angle, but it's close enough. And then um, I'll shoot from, for example, the post on the left side, I'll fire some shots off the top of the post, and then I'll go and shoot different, a few shots um, at different heights along that brace post. And then I'll typically go ahead and shoot a few shots prone and then get up and shoot uh, a few more shots from the post on the right-hand side. Um, there's also another um, brace on a fence post that's closer to a gate on there that you've got fence posts on either side, but there's a brace that goes almost across the top of the posts. So I've got multiple places I can move along there uh, and still be standing and shooting. Um, there's just so many different ways that you can do it. And I know it sounds like I'm rambling and I'm, and I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but I promise I talked to so many people, both that reach out to me through Facebook. Um, and thank you, by the way, to those of you guys that do, I'm not the fastest to respond. So I thank you for the, uh, for your patience with that. But, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed by the number of people who will reach out to me through Facebook and they're like, Hey, I got some questions. Hope you don't mind. I don't, I don't mind at all. Um, I'm happy to help any way that I can. I am far from the guru. I just happen to be the guy that decided to do a podcast. There are so many people out there that are better shooters than me, but I've just always looked at this as it's a, a tremendous sport. It's something that I love to do. And it's something that you can go out and enjoy with a rifle you already have. Most likely you don't have to be like those of us that have went out and bought several rifles, you know, some of them you know, pretty darn expensive. You don't have to have all the Gucci gear. You don't have to have the, the latest and greatest scope and ammo and all those things. Does it help? Sure. It doesn't hurt. Um, but at the end of it, what you have to remember is that your equipment can help you, but you're never going to buy your way into a better finish just spending money on equipment. You still have to do the work. You still have to put the time in. You have to get behind the trigger. You can dry fire. You can um, 
you, but you really do need to shoot and you need to spend some time. You need to learn what your rifle will do with the ammo you're shooting. You need to know for sure what's going to happen when you pull the trigger and no amount of time on the internet, no amount of time reading magazines and books, no amount of time thinking about it or listening to a podcast is going to help you as much as actually taking your rifle to the range and shooting it. And the case in point, when you shoot, there is times where I see people, and there's times where I do this as well, when they go out and they burn up ammo. And when I say burn up ammo, I mean, they're sitting there and they're shooting and they're running the bolts or they're pulling the trigger as fast as they can if it's a semi-auto. And are they getting some trigger time? Yes. Are they having fun? Yes. Are they necessarily learning anything from what they're doing? No, probably not. Um, By the same token, I see people who go out and they are not all about blasting away. They are specifically trying to shoot teeny tiny little groups with their PRS rifle. And so they will spend hours slowly shooting three shot or five shot or maybe even 10 shot groups at 50 yards. Are they learning something? Sure. They're, they're getting something out of it. Um, some of them enjoy that. Some of them tell you, tell me that they hate it, but they feel like they need to spend that time and shoot those groups so they can know what their rifle will do. At the end of the day though, does that help them in competition? If they're shooting bench rest, sure. If they're shooting some sort of a, an egg shoot or a golf ball shoot or whatever at 50 yards, absolutely. But at, at the end of the day, if they're only shooting at 50 yards, the ammunition, at least in my experience, that shoots at 50 yards or shoots best in, in some of my rifles at 50 yards, it does not shoot nearly as well as other ammunition does when the shots get stretched out to 100 yards, 150, 200, 300 yards. So what I would encourage you to do is figure out the best training regiment for you when it comes to shooting. Figure out what is going to benefit you the most for your goals. If your goal is just to have a really nice rifle and a really nice scope and to shoot some tiny groups at 50 yards, rock on. That is fantastic. If your goal is to um, take a factory rifle, maybe even the cheapest rifle you can buy, and put an inexpensive optic on it, and then go out and be competitive against other shooters that are shooting more expensive gear, man, rock on with that too. I've got a ton of friends that do that, and I've done the same stinking thing. I love to do it sometimes, to take a a rifle that I got a great deal on or something that really shouldn't shoot as well as it does and compete against rifles that are much more um, suited to whatever you know type of, of shooting we're doing. I absolutely enjoy that more than you can imagine, especially if, um, you know, if I'm able to, to, to take home a win against what I know is better equipment. I love it. And I also, um, consequently, I love having great equipment, and I'm fortunate to have some. I love to take it 
and see it perform the way it's supposed to. You know, I've shot in matches before where someone would congratulate me or another shooter and say, man, you really shot well. Uh, like my one of my favorite matches that I shoot locally, and I've talked about it on a bunch of previous episodes. I shoot in a match locally where it's, they call it a modified silhouette match. So you're shooting chickens at 82 yards off of a bench. You're shooting turkeys at 100 yards off the bench. And then you're getting up and shooting uh, the rams at 50 yards standing and the uh, pigs at 40 yards standing. And then they've added in a know your limits um, target at 50 yards. And you shoot that one. Um, I think it's two times is what you're supposed to, to actually shoot that they count for score. But I've always done three just because. I like to shoot it. And so what uh, what I've seen happen multiple times is myself and, and other shooters, we would clean the bench targets and then shoot really poorly offhand. And then I've seen some people that would shoot poorly on the bench, but then they would do great, you know, shooting offhand. From my perspective, and this is just mine, so, you know, if you don't agree, just know this is this is Chris's philosophy, not yours. But from my philosophy, there are very few rifles out there, unless they've just been really poorly maintained, or um, someone is shooting just you know whatever the cheapest ammo they could find, and they haven't spent any time trying to find an ammunition that that shoots great in that gun. And maybe some people, you know, they they just have a terrible scope and. You know, there, there's some things that can absolutely happen. But in, at the end of the day, those chickens at 82 yards and those turkeys at 100 yards, those are big targets compared to uh, what I see most guns capable of shooting. And so when someone will compliment one of the shooters in the match, whether it's me or anybody else, and say, hey, man, you cleared the, uh, all the targets off the bench. That's a great job. Congratulations. You know, I'm always saying the same thing, which is, well, thanks. You know, I appreciate that. But in reality, I should. I should clear all the targets off the bench. You know, someone out there shooting, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, me or some of the folks that are shooting Anschutz or, or Voodoo's or, or Cooper's. It doesn't have to be that. I see plenty of people, and I've done it as well with my CZs and uh, my old Kimbers, you know, it's not that hard or shouldn't be that hard to clear those targets from the bench. Now, when it comes to the offhand shooting, nothing in the world beats practice there. And the only way you get better is just to do it. And whether you're actually shooting it or you you can even dry fire and practice it. But, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's just my opinion that you shouldn't miss based off the fact that the targets are big and the rifles are accurate. Older rifles are accurate new guns accurate we've never had better ammunition than we have right now so that's just my my take on it you know take it for what it's worth but today's episode like i said i just really want to talk about it because i've seen a number of people asking what you know questions about how do i get better and there's there's a lot of, of focus on buying new equipment and lord knows if you've ever watched any of my posts um you'll know i mean i have no no qualms about buying new equipment. Um, I love this stuff. I've, uh, I'll be talking in another episode about a, a match that I shoot in that has went through 
they changed in match directors and now they've started to uh, come up with several different options for additional matches and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm encouraging them to come up with as many as possible and uh, and one of them that they're talking about doing is an iron sight match and and to be blunt I don't have anything that's got iron sights on it except for a couple lever guns and I've got a Browning or no, not a Browning, but a Winchester 1885. But, uh, you know, somebody was trying to give me some suggestions about adding sights to one of my existing rifles. And I very well may do that. But at the same time, you know, uh, what interests me more than doing that is to find just a, a rifle that, that I set up just specifically for that. But that's my rimfire addiction and, and rimfire sickness, not yours. So um, I hope this helps, though. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out. You can shoot me a DM through uh, Facebook. You can go over to rimfiretactical.com and, uh, you know, contact me through there. Make sure you join the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group. And thanks so much for listening. Till the next episode, shoot fast, shoot often. And remember, it's not just a 22. Cheers.